Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in the Broncos podcast presented by Bet Online. I'm Chris Braden, got Big O along the side. Big O, let me, I always forget to mention this. If you have Sirius XM like I do, you can go into the Sirius XM app and listen to Believe in the Broncos. In fact, I was in Vegas this week and people were asking me how to listen to it. And I was like, just go pull it up on a Sirius XM or anywhere you do your podcast and got a lot of feedback from the show this week. Big O, people love you. I just found that out today. I already liked you a lot. Yeah, because yeah. I've listened to you. These are random people I met in Vegas DMing me on Instagram going like Orlando Franklin's good on the air, man. So just a little bit of like love for you on a Friday. There you go. Yeah, yeah man. That's awesome. You know, uh, it's funny because I get recognized obviously more now because of my voice than mm-hmm. my appearance. Right. I don't look like the big O, the Orlando Franklin, the guy that gets drafted, that's mean mugging everybody. It looks like he's just ready to go to work and just eat people basically out there. So uh, a couple uh, couple months ago, I was at my in-law's house and I was meeting with Stanley Steamer. And Mm -hmm. the guy came in the house and, you know, I forgot, forget the reason why my in-laws weren't there or why I had to meet with this person. Right. He gets there and he's walking around. I'm kind of showing him all the places where the carpet's at and stuff like that. And he's like, hey, listen, this is going to sound weird, but I got to ask, by any chance, is your name Orlando? Like, are you Orlando Franklin? Because your voice sounds really, really familiar. This guy had been with me for like 10 minutes and had no idea, but just my voice kept on bringing it back. So it's crazy just, you know, how much people recognize me from doing yeah. radio or TV or, you know, a lot of people don't recognize me for football anymore because I don't look like what I, what no. I look like when I play football. You're still a big boy. You just don't look like you're going to go hurt somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, sitting at 6'6", 226 pounds, I mean, more people think more basketball when they yeah. see me, for sure. You play for the Nuggets. Yeah, exactly. And you still dunk. Yes, 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 absolutely. Uh, Chad Brown, every year on his birthday, goes out and does a birthday dunk. Yeah, yeah. So I actually, I was on the war room with Chad yesterday, mm-hmm. and I got, somebody brought that up. Yeah, he's 52 right now, and Chad's Dude, what a good athlete he was. I followed him. I'm a CU guy, so sure. I followed him his whole career, and it's just cool to see the buffs. Oh, man, they're, they're so bad right now, man. But uh, that hurts my heart. But see, like guys like Chad and Mike Pritchard and – Everybody from that class doing well. Another person that's doing well, a little inside baseball. We're recording this on a Friday. Last night, the Rams played the Bills, and it was a sloppy football game, but it was fun to watch. I mean, I really enjoyed it, the Bills and the Rams going head-to-head. But one guy that really, really stuck out to me besides Josh Allen and Cooper, you know, the main one, Diggs, Cooper Cup, Josh Allen, Stafford, was Von Miller. Von Miller was a pain in the backside for the Rams yesterday. Yeah. And it, it's crazy, right? I mean, you, you yeah. kind of look at Von Miller's like last 20 plus games here 
I think it was like 29 games here. Mm-hmm. He had 10 and a, 10 and a half sacks. Uh, since Vaughn has been traded to the Rams last year from the Broncos, including playoffs, uh, and obviously the Rams won the Super Bowl last year, but and now and last night's performance, he has 11 sacks. Yep. He's surpassed that number. So the last 29 games of the Bronco, only 10 and a half sacks, but he's had 11 since he's been traded and two uh, two last night. So nine last year, just last season after mm-hmm. being traded and added two. And it kind of makes you scratch your head, right? Where it's yeah, like, for sure. what the heck was going on here under Vic Fangio? And Thank you. you. That's what I was thinking. Exactly. Was Vic Fangio not the right fit? And, you know, it's, it's super unfortunate because – Essentially, in this situation, you have a kind of an organization that chose a coach over the player. Mm-hmm. Vaughn has a lot left in the tank. But we yes. basically wasted 29 games under Vic Fangio, three years, you know, absolutely doing nothing because Vic Fangio came in with his philosophy and his system. So this is where you see a defensive guru. And I can't wait to talk about this tonight on air when mm-hmm. I get up. 104.3 The Fan, and you can listen to me Monday through Friday, nine, uh, 6, p- 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., me alongside my co-host, Cecil Lamy. But the, the, the issue with it is, you know, we, we look at Russell Wilson right now, right? right. And we look at basically Seattle choosing, and Snyder choosing uh, Pete Carroll over mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. And that's how the Broncos got Russell Wilson, essentially, right? Yep. And thank you very thank much. You, thank you. Thank you very much. For that, but now when I'm looking at Von Miller out there last night, get two sacks and doesn't even play the majority of the fourth quarter, like is on the sideline with a hat, where that's when you the sacks come in bunches. Like Von yes. could have started the season off with four last night because they had no answers for him. So I look at it and I'm like, man, Bronco Country, did did we really? We, did we really like we gave Von away? Like literally gave him away. And I see the Buffalo deal, and I know that, man, he broke the bank with this deal. Yeah. But had Vaughn still been a Bronco, and even if you get him ready to hit free agency, the fact that the Broncos went and traded for Russell Wilson and Vaughn had nothing to do with that package, right. I really believe that we could have had our cake and ate it too, and Vaughn Miller could have still been a Denver Bronco and would have most likely took a hometown discount to stay here with the Broncos. I think that proves to everybody too about fit because we saw what Von Miller did under Vic Fangio there. You know what? Nothing really seemed like a fit with Vic Fangio offense, defense, special teams, nothing seemed to, to flow well. But when he went to a a Rams team that played ahead a lot, was able to use his skills just like the Buffalo bills are. I mean, it changes everything when you're not playing from behind and you're a pass rusher. I mean, you know, you can actually go after the quarterback. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, when, when you go out there and you create leads and you're going to be able to get after the quarterback, but also scheme, right? right. I mean, putting other good players out there. You know, Shelby Harris is a heck of a football player. Yep. But he's not DJ Jones. I promise mm-hmm. you that. So going to get an upgraded at interior pass rush could help as well. And Buffalo has used a lot of draft equity in beefing up that defensive line, but also they have brought in some some 
high priced free agents. Phillips out there uh, from Miami, you know, he started his career in Miami and he's doing an amazing job for them, big number 97. Yep. So just kind of looking at all the pieces where it's like, man, you know, the, the, the last three years here for Von Miller, there were so many different people talking about, oh, he's done. I can't wait to get on one of my guys. Brandon Stokely was saying, trade him many, many oh, years know. ago. Can't wait to see what he has today, what his rebuttal is, because Von looks like he has a lot left in the tank. And I he remember does. a couple years ago, he talked about uh, 30 sacks is realistic in the league when you was here with the Broncos about three yep. years ago. Well, he's on pace for 34 right now. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to go get two every single game, but imagine if he did get to play the, the whole entire fourth quarter yesterday. He would have definitely finished the game with more than two sacks like we saw him get. That's for sure. The other thing, you know, I, I mentioned the game was a little bit sloppy, but it was really fun to watch. Um, the Rams didn't play anybody in the preseason. The Bills did a little bit. I think Josh Allen may have gotten one series, maybe two. The Rams looked a little bit slow, a little bit off. Timing was off a little bit. Uh, are you worried at all about the Denver Broncos coming out on Monday night and having that same issue as the Rams did last night? Uh, I think that's what we're going to see all across the league, to be honest okay. with you. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of sloppy football. Uh, you look at both teams. I think both teams yesterday combined for um what was it i think both teams combined for seven or maybe eight turnovers yeah there was quite a few turnovers i know there was five picks and a bunch of fumbles yeah Poor so, cook man first time he touched the ball in the nfl he puts it on the ground yeah yeah you know matthew stafford threw three interceptions last night josh allen threw two interceptions right right so you're, that those things are going to happen we're going to see some of that that play it's just what it is in the national football league especially when a lot of these teams choose not to play their starters in preseason buffalo right. did play their starters and yet josh allen still went out there and had two interceptions um september especially early september chris with how the nfl is now constructed you are always going to see a little bit of sloppy play out there. Right. Moving on. So let's not bury the lead. We talked about Vaughn. We talked about maybe a little bit of sloppy play. A story came out this week, basically vindicating, like kind of vindicating Russell Wilson, where the, the Seahawks were maybe trying to trade him for a few years. Russell came on uh, and addressed that, and he took the high road. How much stoking of the fire happened this week for Russell Wilson. Oh yeah, man. I mean, isn't it just perfect timing for yep. this news to break out of Seattle, mm -hmm. right? Getting ready for week one, right? Trying to be hyper-focused, trying to lock into the game and all of a sudden this BS hits the, the, the airwaves, right? Yeah. Where it's a tactic, you know, come on. Both sides knew what went on. I'm glad where Russ had his interview, his press conference early uh, yesterday, and he said, yes, you know, they, they did try to trade me a couple times. And as a, a, listen to this, Chris. Let me just back up for a quick second. In 2013, the Denver Broncos came to me. I, I, in 2013, I played right tackle for the Broncos. Yep. After the season, that was the year that we went to the Super Bowl. After the season, I was sitting at home in Toronto, vacationing. And I started getting DMs and messages from a couple of my friends saying, hey, like, is this true? And there was a report that came out that the Broncos were going to move me to left guard. And huh. I was like, no, that, that's not true. Like, I haven't heard anything like this. I, I have not heard um, 
anything of the of the sort. My agent hasn't told me this. And so I was like, I, I get on the phone with my agent, get Drew on the line. I'm like, yo, listen, I, like three people have brought this to me. What's up? Are, are they doing this or not? Drew was like, hold on. Calls me back five minutes later. He's like, yeah, that's the plan. They're going to move you to left guard. So I got pissed off. I fired yeah. off at the internet, took the social media, you know, said my, got some stuff off my chest. You know, I think I was one of the top three right tackles in the league at this point. And right. I'm finding out on the internet that I'm moving. Like there wasn't a conversation between John Fox or, or Adam Gates or, you know, Dave um, Magazine, my offensive line coach, John Alway. No conversation. So I fire off. The Broncos called me within five minutes of me tweeting out what I had to say. And, you know, it was John Fox that talked to me. Then Elway talked to me. Dave Mangs, who talked to me. And they let me know that, hey, this is happening. But, you know, they would just like me to do this for the team. It was like, we're not forcing you to do this, but this is how we think that we benefit our football team. Right. So fast forward, right? Okay, great. I'm a good old soldier. That's what I'm going to do. Move positions. This is going into my contract year. Like I said, I'm one of the top three right tackles in the league at this point. And I'm sitting there and uh, I'm doing this for the team and I'm hoping to get a deal done with, with the Broncos. I reach out after OTAs. They said, hey, we, wanna, we want you to keep on going. We are going to do a deal, just not right now. Reach out during training camp. No deal gets done. Reach out during the bye week. No deal gets done. Season ends. Sit in John Elway's office. John says, hey, you know, appreciate what you did for us this year. You were awesome for us. We're going to do everything in our power to get you back here as a Bronco. We want you here long term. Well, free agency hits a couple months later and no offer comes from the Mm. Broncos. Absolutely no offer from the Denver Broncos. So I, I look at my situation Chris, and, and the Chargers called me first within free agency, and they offered me a deal five years, $25 million. I hung up the phone and called my agent back. And after he called, my agent called me. So yeah. we hung up. I called him back right after. I was like, hey, you know what? Call the Broncos and tell them I'll take less. Like, I'll take less to stay. The Broncos never offered me a deal. Oh, wow. I, I, that was how I departed from the Denver Broncos, right? Uh, just, and I was very salty and hurt and upset about it. And I yeah. was the right tackle for three years and left guard for a year. Russell Wilson was the face of this organization. Mm-hmm. Right? Went to a Super Bowl and won that Super Bowl, right? You know, has made guys his career, like Tyler Lockett. Like, he goes up on the media in Seattle this week and says he hopes that the Seattle's fans and stuff doesn't boo him. Well, you know right. why he hopes that that doesn't happen? Because Tyler Lockett is not the millionaire that he is right now today if it's not for Russell Wilson. Russell True. Wilson made his career, right? The fact that Russell could buy time and a guy that's smaller that can't handle a hit, Russell now could run around and now protect him with the throw mm-hmm. and for him to have that longevity to keep on being explosive where he's not taking big hits, he made Lockett's career. So mm-hmm. why wouldn't a guy like that be mad. Then I also go back to the Super Bowl that the Seattle lost. You know, everybody's had a bad taste in their mouth or people have, there have been people that have been so lukewarm on Russell Wilson since then. Yeah. Why the hell are we lukewarm on Russell Wilson? 
It's not his fault that the offensive coordinator called that play. No, nope. It's not his fault that the offensive coordinator put the smallest wide receiver on their team in the slot to run that play. Like, how about you call a better formation? How about sure. you call a better personnel grouping? How about if you feel so compelled to throw the ball right there? How about the fact that you put a bigger body on the inside because you know that the strong safety is going to drive on that football? So you could put a bigger body out there to now influence a passing interference call. Or right. how about doing the obvious thing that we all know that you should have did? Turn around and call a play to hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch because you're inside the five. And Thank you. And nobody's going to stop it. Right. So everybody looks at Russell Wilson as the bad guy where I see a guy that has done what he's been told, mm-hmm. has not got been protected by Seattle. You know, you could go off a list of first round picks for other people's team that all of a sudden Seattle says, oh, they gave up on him, but we'll take him. Right. Wow. Dwayne Bow, Robert Gallery, DJ Fluker, Mikey Potty. Those are all guys that see that were first round picks for other teams that Seattle said, yeah, we will take you here. Yeah. How about the fact that they drafted Jermaine and Fetty in the first round and he couldn't play right tackle worth a damn. One year at tackle, then had to get bumped into guard. How about the fact that they drafted James Carpenter in the first round in 2011, my year, and everybody in the country had a third round grade on him. One year at right tackle, then he had to move to guard. So Seattle has missed and even protecting a guy like Russell Wilson. But now you want to talk about he's lost a step? And you don't think that he's going to be frustrated that you've been trying to trade him? Come on, man. It's just coincidental to me. And I'm sorry that I just went on this rant, Chris. No. But it's coincidental to me that it's the week right before opening season that all this stuff is coming out of Seattle. You know, and I think some of the fans will probably boo Russell Wilson. The Broncos were in a similar situation back in the day when uh, Dan Reeves drafted Tommy Maddox and uh, he thought Elway was done. I couldn't imagine Broncos fans booing John Elway coming back to Denver. I mean, we probably might have changed hats that day. It was John Elway. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we'll see what happens on I mean, Monday Steve Atwater as well, right? When Steve finished up Thank the you. Bronco and then all of a sudden, you know, played a year out there with the Jets and then had to come back here. Sharp right? too. Shannon Sharp went to the Ravens and ended yeah. up back. So, you know, I, I do believe that he's going to get booed regardless because of the narrative that has been coming out of Seattle and the fact that Russell hasn't sat there and started pointing the finger. He's handled it with class. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, I was just very impressed that he even gave us that much and said, yeah, we knew about it. Yeah, I was frustrated because right. that's typically not his style. But who wouldn't be frustrated? That's my yeah. opinion. Yeah. He's human. He's yeah. not a robot out he's there. to be frustrated, Yes. You know, the funny thing to a lot of people, Russell Wilson, when he was explaining that he, he, we all know he has tons of confidence. That's what's kind of made him who he is. That's what gives him the drive. And he said, I think I'm one of the best in the world. And I loved that. I just loved the confidence. He didn't say I'm the best in the world. I think I am one of the best in the world. Well, he's playing in the NFL and he's a starter. He's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. So that is literally a true statement. Well, how did you feel when he came out and said that yesterday? 100%. Yeah. You know, when, when, when you make it to the NFL, it's, what do they say, Chris? I think they say 1% of high school athletes go to college and play that sport. Yep. 1% of college athletes make it professional in that sport. You are the best in the world. For the yep. fact that he's been able to play a decade in this league, that the average is three and a half, 
he is definitely one of the best in the world. Definitely one of the most world's most elite players. So I was right there with him. I, I didn't feel any type of way. I truly believe that there's going to be things that Russell has to learn, right? Mm-hmm. He, if he, he has hopes and aspirations to play another decade in this league. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to start developing more of a in-the-pocket presence where you're more on time, but on schedule. But it's not just all on him to do that. Right. It's on the coaching staff. That's on Nathaniel Hackett to design a playbook where he is in the pocket, where he doesn't have to scramble, where the reads are right, where he knows where he's going with the football right now, because that's how you create the longevity, right? We looked at Peyton Manning. We look at Tom Brady still playing. The good thing about those guys is as an offensive lineman, when you're blocking for them, it's 1-1000, 2-1000, 3-1000. Okay, the ball's gone. Literally, yeah. Like, I had that clock in my mind, Chris, when I played in front of Peyton. One, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. Then I was like, literally, now I turned it to the defensive player and like swung the defensive end and started to sprint down the field because right. I knew Peyton was going to get the ball out of his hand and I wanted to make sure that I was there just in case of fumble. Yeah, you know, I had five fumble recovers in the NFL in my career, right? Yeah. Good things happen to offensive linemen that are, that are down the field. Yep. But I also wanted to make sure that I could clean up, clean up the pile if I had to or get down there to push a guy over the, the end zone. But yep. I was going to fly down there because I knew the quarterback had that internal clock. So if playing another decade is Russ's um, hopes and aspirations, he's not going to be able to play the way that he's playing right now, six years from now. Sure. You know, guys are just big, they're fast, they're strong, and, and guys are people getting younger, and as you get older, you're, 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 you get slower. That's just the harsh reality of it. Yep. So, he is going to have to work on it more of a pocket presence, but that's on the offensive coordinator and developing the right system where it's like bulletproof, essentially, where Russ is able to get the ball out of his hand as fast as possible. We both kind of agree that Monday night's game is going to be ugly. There are three kind of key players that we don't know if they're going to play or not. And if you've heard different, let me know. We got Jonas Griffith, Randy Gregory, Billy Turner, do you have any information on any of those three guys? Do, do, yeah, so, it says questionable. Um, yeah, so uh, let me actually just pull this all the way up really quick because, um, yeah, so the Broncos sent out their, their um, practice and their injury stuff. So yesterday at practice, this is uh, Thursday, Randy Gregory was limited. Okay. Uh, um, Billy Turner was – Randy Gregory was limited for shoulder and knee. Billy Turner was limited for knee. And uh, Jonas Griffith was full. So Jonas is, is rolling. There's no question about him. He was full ball, full ball yesterday at practice. Um, when it comes to Randy Gregory and all, all, all of these guys, when they say limited, you know, what does limited exactly mean? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't really know what that means all, all the time. But this is, this is week one. These guys have taken reps. Mm-hmm. They have taken live reps against their teammates. You know, um, I anticipate all three of these guys out there, you know, all these guys were at practice. They've been working their butts up. I, I think they, they're going to do whatever they can. You know, Toradol's an amazing thing, helps with information <laughs> on game day. So I think these guys are going to be ready to roll. How important is it for Billy Turner to play this week? Uh, I, you see, for me, I don't know how important it is because I'm worried about the continuity. I'm worried about, you know, the thousand snaps that Billy Turner missed taking alongside Quinton Miners at the right guard position. So 
for me, it, it's all about how many reps they've been able to kind of get going. Because right when kind of training camp stopped, and that's kind of when I stopped going out to practice and Cecil goes out but during now, but you're only allowed to kind of be out there for like the stretch portion of sure. it. And you can't really watch what's going on. You watch a little bit of individual and then they kick you out. So we haven't seen how many reps Billy Turner has taken with Quinton Miners and how that stuff looks, but he's also a veteran and a Swiss yeah. army. Like there's a reason why he's a part of the Denver Broncos. He could play four of the five offensive line positions up there. You play every position, but center. So I anticipate that he's going to go, and he's going to make it work because he's played so many different positions on the offensive line. He's a really intelligent fellow. I know you and Cecil talk uh, lots of fantasy football on Wednesday nights when you're out at old Chicago. It's funny in these fantasy drafts, uh, Jerry Judy's going before Cortland Sutton, which makes zero sense to me. Hmm. Who do you think on this prof, the Broncos offense at the wide receiver position is going to be Russell Wilson's go-to guy this year? I think it's going to be Cortland Sutton, right? I mean, Cortland is the veteran. You know, this is now a full year under his belt removed from that ACL injury. Last year, he had almost 800 yards coming off of ACL, and he wasn't 100%. Um, I watched him in training camp, and him and Russell have been able to quietly build up a nice rapport, some great continuity, some great chemistry. So I think it's going to be early. It's going to be Cortland Sutton. But I do also believe that Jerry Judy's a 1,000-yard wide receiver this year. And the reason I believe that is that you finally got the quarterback. There is no more excuses. Yep. You're, you're, if you're Jerry Judy, you're backed up into a corner right now. You can look at Garrett Bowles when the Broncos decided not to pick up his fifth-year option, being a first-round yeah. pick. And you can look at the fact that Bradley Chubb right now, a guy that's injury-prone, is playing on his fifth-year option with no guarantees. And now you could choose and, and understand what do you want to be in this world. And with a quarterback, I do believe that we're going to see a lot better out of Jerry Judy. I do believe he's going to understand a little bit more because it's just Nathaniel Hackett and their philosophy as a coaching staff. I think Jerry Judy is going to understand where he's at in on the progression of that play. You know, everybody mm -hmm. looks at Jerry Judy and there's been questions of his effort. But there's also been people that can't deny it and say he gets open. So why doesn't he get the football? Well, if you're getting open late, right? If you get open, say one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, at three one thousand, so three seconds in, yep. And you are the first guy in the progression. The quarterback's already moved off from you. That's true. So you have to understand exactly where you're at in the progression. And here's where it's hard for, and this is why I give Jerry Judy a little bit of a pass. I give him a pass his first two years because of the two quarterbacks that he had, right? He had Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Nothing against those guys, but those guys are, are you know, Drew Locke is a young guy, right? Yeah. So he had to learn things. Teddy was a guy that his career high touchdowns were 15. Teddy, you know, he needs a strong running game. And he's a bit risk averse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's how we learn how to stay in the league, right? Don't do mm -hmm. the risky thing, right? But also, when you're with Pat Shermer and, and just how the Broncos were ran, right? Vic Fangio, your head coach, doesn't really care about offense, doesn't care about special teams. He really only cares about the defense. Then you have another coach in Pat Shermer that this was fired from the Giants that gets a hold of Jerry Judy. Well, Pat Shermer was running a, 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 a offense that's two decades old, right? Yeah. It's not what's in the NFL nowadays. 
And when you get guys like that, that are, you know, hard headed, that are not innovative, that don't want to implement things. You know, I doubt that Jerry Judy was being told that, Hey, versus on this play versus man coverage, you're first in the progression. Hey, but on this same play, if it's zone now, you're third in the progression. So I, I doubt that Jerry Judy has been told that his right. first two years, you know, understanding pre-snap, whether it's man or zone could be quite hard for a, a young wide receiver, right? So now I anticipate that he should fully understand if it's man or zone when he breaks the huddle and he's lined up and get him ready to fire off the ball. I fully expect him to understand where he's at with the route progression now, whether it's man or zone. I fully expect Russell Wilson now to be kind of that mom, right? You know, that team mom or that team dad, whatever you want to call it, where it's come on, Jerry, like, hey, you know, give him a nice pat on the back. The team mom and dad, right? Give him a yeah. nice pat on the back when he does something good. Mm-hmm. When he goes and does something boneheaded, go down 10 inches, give him a kick in the butt to get him yep. going to be the team dad if he has to, right? Mm-hmm. That's what needs to happen with Jerry Judy because the talent is there. There is no question that what Justin Jefferson has done and CeeDee Lamb has done in this league that Jerry Judy could do. Those guys have had the benefit of better quarterbacks and better offensive-minded talent in their young careers, where now Jerry Judy has it all, and there is no excuses. So you better come out swinging here in a couple days against Seattle while the whole world is watching and let everybody know that, hey, it's it's new year, new me. And I'm all in. It's a real Jerry Judy. Another guy that's been getting a lot of love. Um, Javante Williams was picked as the breakout player of the year on NFL Network. And he just really moved up the list on a lot of people's board. How do you, we all know that the run game for this offense is like really important. How do you think the carries are going to get split up between Javante and Melvin? Um, so that's, I'm, I'm glad that you, that's very, a very interesting question. I'm, I'm glad that you asked it. So I think going into this thing, it's going to be 60, 40, okay. 60% Javante Williams, 40% Melvin Gordon. I truly believe that George Payton and Nathaniel Hackett, um, Kubiak, maybe some teammates as well really want it to be probably about 80-20. Yeah. 80% Javante, 20% uh, Melvin. Nothing against Melvin, but Javante Williams has led the league in broken in bro- broken tackles. He led the NCAA in the same exact thing. Early in the season, tackling is an issue in the National Football League. We want to see Javante absolutely explode. I do too. But the reason why I truly believe it's going to be 60-40 is because of the way training camp was handled, right? It's all about getting guys healthy. We're not going to bang guys up. Uh, Broncos didn't really do a lot of work of, of running backs on linebackers, full speed live blitz pickup, not a lot of drill work there, right? So I think with Javante, it's really just at the start of the season, it's can he figure out where the pressure is coming from? Mm. Does he know where the blitz is coming from? And when there's not a blitz, how fast is he getting out to be a valuable option to, for Russell to check it down to him? So it has nothing with his ability to run. It has everything with what the Broncos just did. Five years, $245 million for Russell Wilson. 
160 plus guaranteed. Russell Wilson's guaranteed to be a Bronco for the next five years. The Broncos have to protect that investment. Yep. Devontae Williams has to make sure and show this team that he's up for the task of protecting that investment in the passing game specifically. So because Melvin is a veteran, because Melvin has done it so many times, he's done it at a high level for Phillip Rivers for many, many years as well. I think early we're going to see Javante 60% of the time out there and Melvin 40. But when Javante gets rolling and the faster that he can pick it up and the faster he can scan and know that, hey, I got to get out right now and he's right. Or, hey, you know, I see two or I know that I'm supposed to be looking here, but there's two coming from the right side. So I have to come back for that, that basically that fourth rusher because my, my center, my right guard, my right tackle are sliding to the defensive tackle, the DN and the linebacker. But, oh, my goodness, corner is firing as well. So I got to get over here and get my butt over here as fast as possible. So the sooner he learns things like that, that's when now he'll start creeping up. And, you know, by the end of the season, it should be about 80% Javante Williams and 20% Melvin Gordon. The other big thing, and Pete Carroll talked about it yesterday, they call them the 12s. That irritates me, man, because I love college football. They stole that from A&M. Texas A&M. And uh, when they say the 12s, I'm just like, man, is it? Is it really the 12s? But there's no doubt there's a bunch of noise there. It's hard to play. The atmosphere in Seattle is is always something you have to take into consideration. Do you think the Denver Broncos are going to be ready early on to play there? Yeah. So that's the thing. I don't know. You know, everybody's talking about Russ and can he fill throw this and that. For me, it's can you handle the crowd noise that you're getting ready to face on Monday night? Mm -hmm. Because you've never been on the opposing side of that. And that is the loudest place that I've ever played. Um, Everybody talks about Kansas City. What about Kansas City? Kansas City, communication-wise, between offensive linemen, communication-wise, hearing Peyton and talk or, you know, Kyle Orton or Tim Tebow, not an issue at all. Uh, Even Phillip Rivers, right, because I stayed in the division when I left. Not an issue at all. Seattle, there was plays where Peyton came up to the line of scrimmage, checked. I was at left guard, literally right. He's right here, and I can't hear him. Then on that same play, Chris, I said, what? What? And Manny Ramirez, the center, now is looking at me saying, Sarah, Sarah, I can't hear it. Oh, no. So – our face mask, hush, Chris, I still can't hear it. I said, you know what? If all else fails, block the defensive tackle. It's first down. We should be running the ball. So I fire off. I block the heck out of the D tackle. And guess what? Sarah means, which I did not hear, but I know now because I know after the play, we ran Sarah and I'm supposed to pull. We're running single back power. Ooh. I'm supposed to pull for the front side linebacker. And I could not hear. So I anticipate the crowd noise being a huge factor for this team. You know, yesterday I was out there at uh, the facility. We're filming our Broncos weekend, me, Steve Atwater, and Alexis Perry. And um, the Broncos were practicing. And you could hear the noise. While we're in studio, we could hear the noise. And we actually made a comment about it on the show. And I said, it's not enough noise. Whatever noise you think you're playing, it's not enough. Because Seattle is the only place where you could be like this, <laughs> somebody's face mask, and you don't hear the call. 
That's how loud that place gets. So we'll see. It's going to be very interesting watching, you know, how this thing is done. I, I had a pleasure of, um, of playing with Brandon Meebane when I got to the Chargers. He finished off his career there. You know, and I always asked him, like, how do you guys call your plays? Their defense learns sign language. Yeah. They're taught sign language on their defense in, in order to call plays. Oh. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. That's unbelievable though, right? I mean, their defense literally <laughs> And that's an outdoor stadium. Yeah. It's it, it's it's not full blown sign language like how a person yeah. would do sign. Yeah. But the plays is like, you know, hey, we're gonna run, you know, quarters coverage or whatever. Everything's based off of hand gestures. Right. As far as their coverages, their blitzes, all of that stuff. So they have their own little language, and, and every player on the defensive side has to know it. Last, last thing I have for you, I'd be amiss if I didn't ask you this. That first game, whether you were at the U or uh, with the Broncos or you know San Diego, that first game of the season, how did you feel? Did you still get butterflies because you had been doing it so long? Or was there like excitement? Like, yeah. what was that first game day like for you every season? You know, it's interesting because the Broncos are getting ready to do exactly what we did my rookie year. You open up a season, Monday night football. My rookie year, we opened up a season, Monday night football against the Oakland Raiders. The only difference is it was here in Bronco country. Um, you know, for rookies, for guys first time, I would just let them understand that you, you can't be too high, you can't be too low. Don't let your emotions get a hold of you in a situation like that. And, you know, for, for me, it was completely different, right? Because I was going against Elvis Dumerville, Von Miller, Robert Ayers, where Elvis Dumerville and Von Miller had me thinking that I couldn't play in this league. <laughs> so sure. I was going out there trying to prove myself. And they made the game so much easier, right? So my just advice to young guys or people that are going into a first-time experience is understand that you've been doing this all your life. Yeah, you know, now you get paid to do it, but it's still the exact same thing. It's still a child's game. It's still something that you have fun doing. It's And, you know, when you do good, you get excited. You get revved up. When you do bad, have short-term memory loss and forget about it. You got to forget about it right there and you have to move on. You know, you'll make the corrections. You're going to make mistakes. Every single play that a, a coach draws up when you – Every single play that when they're designing it, it's a touchdown. Every single play that a coach, you know, installs when it's you're sitting in a, a room is nice and air conditioning, air conditioned at 69 and the coach is up there on the board and he's installing a play. Every play is a great play. But when you're in a game, those guys get paid to stop you as well. So everything's not going to be perfect. So you have to know that, hey, just keep on you know, stacking and layering it and moving forward and progressing. And if you do that, you're going to be successful and it's going to come by and, and enjoy the moment as well. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. But that's something that you have to do. Also, I remember my first preseason game against the Dallas Cowboys. I enjoyed every single moment of it from the flight, from the, you know, the walk through from, 
get into the stadium and walking around the stadium and kind of just being in awe of Jerry's world. And, you know, I even enjoyed the fact that the buses went in the tunnel underneath the stadium and it felt like we were driving for two minutes. And I was like, oh my goodness, like how big is this place that we're at, right? <laughs> you know, you got to enjoy each and every moment. And then, you know, the first game of the season and, you know, playing for the Denver Broncos, what it meant and just, you know, get into the stadium early and seeing five, 6,000 people out there where you got to walk from that parking lot into the stadium. Just soak it all up because this is, this is an unbelievable experience and you're in the 1% of the world that they could say that they've ever done this. So, you know, I just got to take it all in. It's cool. And you're smiling the whole time. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I'm going to have you call your shot. What's this game going to, what's the outcome of this thing going to look like Monday night and when we talk Tuesday morning? Yeah, so I have this thing as an absolute bloodbath. Um, I, th- I think this is going to be a defensive game for both sides of the ball, not high scoring at all. Uh, but I do believe that the Broncos win this football game, and I'm going to call it 17-14. Broncos win, and they win it like late, like like they have to go on like a game winning drive or it's a game winning field goal that make money puts through the uprights. But, you know, it's, I just watched, I just watched seven turnovers last night yep. right? between the team that they think is coming out of, uh, out of the, like two teams that, 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 that they were saying it could be a Super Bowl matchup. One sure. team come out of the NFC, one team come out of the AFC. Right. And, you know, two teams that have had some pretty good continuity, right? Stafford just came up with the Super Bowl run with the Rams last year. Josh Allen has been out there in Buffalo and quietly letting people know that he's the real deal, being in the same system as well. But yet it still was some sloppy football. So my expectations, it's going to be sloppy. It's going to be an absolute bloodbath, though. And I can't wait because I, I love these type of games. These are the tap-tap games where you you bring your big boy pads and, and you keep your head down and you go to work and you hope that you can run the ball 35 times because you meet, that means that you're being successful and you're breaking the will of the defense. And I think that's what's going to happen. Whether I don't believe that Seattle can do it to the Broncos, break the defense as well. Right. But I do believe that our, the Broncos offense has to go out there to break Seattle's will. I was with you until I heard Russell Wilson yesterday. And we all know Russell Wilson's the consummate professional, super gentleman. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, he's, he's going to do something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I feel like the Broncos are going to come out and just trounce them. And it might be ugly, but I just have a feeling the Broncos are going to put it on them. And I don't think it's going to happen early, but I think as the game goes court, we're going to see Cortland Sutton from a few years ago. I feel like uh, uh, Jerry Judy's got something to prove, like you said earlier. And I think the Broncos are going to go out and win this thing like 31-13. And I think it's just because I think, you know what? We want to see, I want to see Russell Wilson get some revenge. Like, screw you, Pete Carroll. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're trying to trade me to the freaking Browns. Yeah. Who wants to be a Brown? I mean, who's who's waving their... Their, their trade clause to go to the Browns, especially back in the day. So I, I think it's going to be a little bit different. I was with you until yesterday, and I'm like, I think Russell's got something special for us on Monday night, and it would be glorious, yeah. glorious. Big O, 
Awesome show today. You can follow Big O on Twitter at OFranklin74. Listen to him Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 p.m. on 104.3 The Fan with Cecil. I haven't seen Cecil or seen his picture until yesterday. It was on the fan football pick'em. You can't he doesn't look like the same dude. Yeah, his last I, I think it's been about fifty plus pounds, yeah. Wow, good for him. Great. I might need to lose a few. But anyway, good stuff today. Uh any parting shots? Oh no, no, all good here. All right. Well we're both hoping next time when we get back together it's gonna be for a a Broncos victory, and uh, good stuff, bud. All right, Chris. Have a great weekend. You too. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.